Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a series we're doing called Vineyard Verses. Vineyard Verses. And we're working on um, passages of Scripture together that uh, I believe are foundational to our Christian walk and life and and, uh, that these are very helpful in the things that we do. And my encouragement has been to uh, memorize the verse for the week, and, and, you know, we'll hold them in context that way. So we just finished up uh, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and we, we spent, you know, that many number of weeks, one verse per week, and I encourage you to memorize those things. And I said that chunk of verses, I think, is so powerful in that it reminds us, you know, as we start our days, um, all that God has done for us, the access we have to him, that we're, we're in Christ, that's, a, that's how God sees us, a reminder of his amazing grace, It's a reminder of Jesus as our great priest. Um, It reminds us to, you know, that it's bigger than us and that that we need to move outside of ourselves. Um, It's just a very powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. And so I I hope that you um, will go back and revisit those and you will try and keep those verses in your mind. You know, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us uh, through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Those are the verses that we looked at. I launched into that and realized I don't have them written down anywhere. <laughs> and my, my, I had this thought, because I know those verses, but I'm thinking about speaking, right? And, and so I'm, sometimes I can get out here and forget what I'm saying, and there was no way back. So... Thank you, Lord, that that worked. (laughs) I launched into it and went, I should probably put those verses in my notes. So um, that's what we looked at, and I hope you find those verses helpful. We're going to launch into a whole new passage of Scripture uh, this week in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. And um, I believe these are sort of a a next great spot for us to go and remember. And um, my thought is that I will, um, in this series... Um, we're going to go through five passages of Scripture altogether that if you can really get into you, they will help you throughout your day, and, and they're just helpful all day long. This next passage is really helpful about living this thing out, um, you know, in, and, and in the kingdom of God and, and you know, and really sort of asking the kingdom to come in, in these sort of ideas, and that I think they're encapsulated very well in Philippians 4 four through eight, uh, in a lot of other places, but really neat verses, and so that's what we're going to focus on in the weeks ahead, and I'll read those to you in a minute, and then we'll start in on verse four. That's the intro. Transition, always a bad joke or two. What rock group has four men that don't sing? Mount Rushmore. (laughs) Do you know, here's why I like that joke. One of the teenagers came running up to me this week. I got a joke for you. I got a joke for you. It's really bad. And told me that joke. And I'm like, that's really bad. You're right. The other one's worse. What's the shortest distance between two jokes? 
a straight line. <laughs> well, I had built everybody up last week, so I needed to drag them back down. Here's why I have the scripture reading right here. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Blessed be the word of the Lord. That's what I want to talk about in the weeks ahead. And I want to encourage you to start thinking about memorizing these verses. A verse at a time. Don't get overwhelmed. Just take it a verse at a time and it will come, um, you know, it will stick in there really well. And so um, memorize them as you think about what they mean and what it looks like. And today I want to talk about Philippians 4.4. Pretty intense verse when you think about it. The Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Um, I think that's a, a, if you just stop and think about what he's saying there, that that can be a little overwhelming in what that looks like. And yet, I, I think it's really a perspective thing. And if we, if we figure out what's going on, then, then living that way becomes more of a possibility. So let's jump in and, and sort of look at that verse a little bit. Point number one in your notes is this. What does it mean to rejoice? What's it Paul actually asking us to do? What, what does it mean? Rejoice in the Lord always. What does it mean to rejoice? Now, in the book of Philippians, Paul actually uses that word rejoice or joy or some derivative of it 16 times. It's, it's kind of the theme of the book. And so it's a pretty important thing to Paul and Paul, at this point in his life, is going through some difficult circumstances. He's in and out of prison. Um, he actually wrote uh, Philippians probably in some type of custody, if not in prison. Uh, and sort of not being able to um, do the ministry he thinks he's supposed to be doing. And he's coming at it from different angles. But he writes this amazing book about uh, joy, rejoicing. And, and in all, always. I mean, really, that's what he says, always. And so you, you think, well, that's... That's pretty intense. What does it mean um, in the process? And, and I, I want you to start thinking about it a little bit this way, that perhaps the goal of life um, isn't, isn't forgiveness or, or even any of God's good gifts. Perhaps the, the final goal of life is really God himself experienced as your exceeding joy. That, that perhaps the, the scope of everything in this life is understanding that, that God and your relationship with God is absolutely the, the best thing that could ever possibly happen. The psalmist said in Psalm 43, 4, Then will I go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. To God my exceeding joy. And that, that this is part of this, this idea, this, this concept. And I, like I said, I think it, a lot of it's perspective because we, our, our perspective sometimes, you know, we tend to get all about me very quickly 
and, and it's this bigger perspective, which is why I like to start thinking about the whole throne room in those Hebrews verses. And now you sort of bring it into uh, living this thing out in the day. And, and so I think a, a question, a reasonable question is also, you know, what is joy? What, what is joy? Because I, I think we have a lot of different uh, concepts and ideas about what joy is. And, and we, we often sort of uh, think of joy as being really something that we experience only in the midst of a perfect set of circumstances. And that, that um, uh, you know, it's, uh, we often confuse it, I think, with, you know, like, a, like a happiness and joy, and, and there's, there's some in both of them, but joy is a little different. And, and I would say that I like to think of joy as, as a deep, durable delight in God that ultimately ruins you for anything else. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's this enduring delight in God. That, that causes everything else to fall down the list a little bit because there's, there's nothing like it. This, everything else ultimately pales in comparison to God in our lives. And, and again, that's a perspective thing and living that out is quite a challenge but it has to start becoming um, sort of the, the, the focus, the, uh, the, you know, the, the way that we look at, at life and the world around us that that this, this relationship with God, that this uh, God in our lives, there's nothing that even gets close to comparing it. And, and so um, it's not that we're not to enjoy things. Certainly he's, he's you know, he created us to uh, enjoy the things, you know, he created us to enjoy the things he created. He, he you know, he's, he's the guy who invented pleasure. Uh, and yet the reality is everything ultimately falls short in comparison to him. And that this is where, you know, the idea of joy really has to come. It's about your relationship and your connection to God made possible in Christ. And sort of defining things that way is going to change the way that you look at everything else. Which, you know, brings up the second question, because what, what Paul is telling us is to rejoice always. Can we rejoice always? And, and you know, the, the reality we have to be, well, what about in the hard stuff? of life, like, you know, letter A, what about in my brokenness? Uh, and, you know, it's, it's, it's very easy for us, and we talk about this, to get stuck in the thoughts of your past failures and also your, your present faults. Um, and and we, we can just beat ourselves up with what's going on. And it's very, at that point, you know, it's very hard to, to you know, to feel like we're rejoicing always. And yet Paul tells us in Philippians 3.12, not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So, So... uh, you know, the, the idea of where I'm at compared to where I would like to be or where I think I ought to be in the Lord, if I get stuck in that, um, I'm, I'm not going to be able to experience this joy in the Lord that Paul is talking about because I'm going to really give the enemy a field day and beat me up in the process. And, and you know, I'm not where I would like to be. Um, I'm just not. 
However, I'm going to press on and continue to press on knowing that the Spirit of God working in me is, is changing me over time and my heart's desire is to press on in relationship with Him. And that really stops then that, that whole attack of my guilt and my shame and allows me to continue to press on and find life in the Lord. And so remember, you know, grace, grace to you. And grace not to go and do what you shouldn't do, that's not the, but grace to you in, in this life and in, in living in a fallen world on a broken planet and, and remembering you're in process and just you know, yield to the Spirit because you're in process and press on. And, and, and in that reality then, rather than getting stuck there, we can experience this joy in the Lord. B, um, uh, even in my grumpiness, if grumpiness is a word, but I was thinking about that this week. Some people um, have more of a tendency to be grumpy or pessimistic than others. Uh, a little melancholy. Maybe you know people like that. Maybe you are one of those. I'm not picking on any of that. Um, I saw somebody the other day, and liter- literally, they're, 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 um, they looked like they were grumpy. You ever have anybody just put that, like, and, and like they were working at it, like they'd practiced it, and... and uh, Almost to the point where I wanted to, you know, jump out and go, what's wrong? Um, but, but didn't want to, and then if they asked why, I didn't want to go, well, because of the way you look. <laughs> and maybe that's just how they look. But, um, uh, you know, in Christ, see, we can be transformed. And so we don't have to be grumpy. We don't have to be pessimistic. We don't have to get stuck in those things. Paul said in Romans 12, uh, one, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... Uh, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So even in my grumpiness, because um, uh, how, how do I find joy in the Lord? I, I press through that, realizing I don't have to stay that way. I don't have to be stuck in the fears that uh, so many people want to live in. I, I have you know, restored relationship with God and ultimately that trumps everything else. And so, so I can continue to rejoice in Him. How about, see, in my circumstances? In my circumstances. You know, uh, no way around it. Sometimes life is hard. It's, it's easier to be joyful when things are going well. That's, that's reality. But, but when things are difficult, you know, it's harder. So does that mean we, we then don't shouldn't be trying and pressing into rejoicing always. But, you know, um, James tells us that, that even the difficult times can ultimately be a time for rejoicing. Look what he says in James 1, 2, 3, 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Hasn't always been one of those verses that make you wonder what's wrong with James? A lot of guys try and write James out of the book. They don't like him a lot because he says stuff like that. But your joy. Here's why. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work, so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That, that because God is who He is, He can take even this mess and the hard stuff, He can work it around to our good, and at some level, we can continue to rejoice in Him, to, to press into Him. Not in, listen, not in, don't confuse it with this fake put on, you know, inappropriate, happy thing. That's not what joy is. Joy is this settledness 
in, in, in what I was talking about. It's, it's this knowing that God is with you and that God loves you and that you love him. And, and there's an internal thing that takes place that, that that's what joy feels like. It's, it's, and, and so you can experience that in the midst of a variety of circumstances, good and bad. Even in, in, the, in D, in other people's circumstances. Because when people that were in relationship were struggling, we can't... One of the worst things you, can all, you could ever do to someone who's struggling is go all fake happy on them. You know what I mean? Or, or tell them, oh, you know, just, just shake it off. Just, just be happy. Like that, that song isn't great. You know, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> it's a pretty good song, but it, yeah, the reality is if someone is struggling in something very difficult, you know, what are we supposed to do? And, and Paul, again, Romans 12, 15, he says, you know, we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and we're to mourn with those who mourn. Well, he just told us we're supposed to be rejoicing always. How do we do all those things? There's something about um, this, this joy that we have in the Lord that, that will allow us to be present with people in the midst of their struggling and not in a pretend way, but in a way that can actually maybe speak some life into it or sometimes just being present in the situation that can ultimately help people as they go through difficult things. Um, Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. And so when, when someone you're in a relationship is in a difficult circumstance or, or really struggling or experiencing, you know, tragedy of some sort, um, you know, look for ways to speak words of life into them or courage to them. Or maybe just your presence in silence. You know, I, I always tell people, they'll try and avoid cliches because they sound so cliche when you say them. Don't, don't go there. It's not helpful. So, and sometimes, you know, when we tend to use cliches is when we don't have anything really to say. And it's okay. If you don't have anything to say, don't say anything. Just be present. M- much better to be present than to, than to go to cliches because they're, they're not helpful. And people just know you're not really checked in. Just be present sometimes and, and, and sort of rest in there. So even in those things, even in the hard stuff, we, we, we learn this process of joy. And ultimately it's found, our ability to rejoice, it's point three, it's found in the Lord. It's this constant reminder that, that we're in relationship with God. Real joy, a, a, a abiding joy, it's, it's only in the Lord. It comes from a personal, living, vital relationship with Jesus and, and there's so many things that happen in that relationship that allow us to experience joy. Just for a few, for example, like in him we find peace. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we've been, in, we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so we, we're at peace with him. We've been justified. Remember, it's, it's, he sees us in Christ just as if we hadn't sinned. Like we've already been perfected, which is the work of the Spirit already, and we're heading to when we're glorified. But in process, he already chooses to see us that way. It's an amazing thing. And it sets us at peace with God. And so, so we, we can rejoice. We're, we're settled in him. Um, he, he helps us with temptations. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has seized you. Except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Always. I love that word always. There's a, that's a big word, always. Always. He always provides a way out. You may not choose to take it, but I, I guarantee you when, when temptation is coming at you, there's always a way out because he promises one. It's always there. 
You might run right past it, but it was always there. Because he's with you. And he's for you. And and that whole idea of him being with us. uh, He's with us always. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I won't be afraid. What can man do to me? That list goes on and on of, of what he's doing in our lives. And, and when we know these things, when we, when we allow ourselves to be defined by those things more than anything else, we begin to experience that, that joy in the Lord that I was talking about, the reality that nothing is better. Nothing is better than the relationship that he's made possible with him in Christ. And so this idea of rejoicing in the Lord, it's always, it's, it's not to be insensitive to the harsh realities of life, but it, it means we don't let the dark realities of life blind us to the radiance of joy that's found in the Lord. And so that's what Paul is calling us to do. That's where that thing starts. Rejoice in the Lord always. It was so important, he said, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And so, so these are powerful words um, to incorporate into your day. And they kick off this whole passage of Scripture where there's so much life that, that I want to break it down and we're going to talk about it in the weeks ahead. But start with that one. What does it mean? What do you think about that joy? What is that idea of joy compared to with what you think joy often is? And, and sort of experience that whole process in Him, knowing that that your relationship with him is really what joy is all about, what it's grounded in, what it is. It's that, that deep, durable delight in God. And my hope is that you will experience that in ever-increasing measure throughout each and every day. But that's where we're going to stop for today. If you're watching my video, thank you for being with us. We appreciate you doing that. Come and see us when you can. If you need prayer, go to the website and go to the prayer page, and we will absolutely pray for